and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find at Horizon Matt, and you can follow us, the podcast that is, on Twitter as well, at Horizon RT. You can find all of our episodes at HorizonRoundtable.com, and, and subscribe where all podcasts are available. And Matt, um, you know how we love to talk to coaches. Now, I love talking to coaches. I know you do. And since we now have a new team, we have another coach to talk to. So obviously, as as you guys know, obviously Robert Morris is now part of the Horizon League and joining us, of course, is their head basketball coach, Andy Toole. Coach, thank you very much for joining us. Bob, Matt, how are you guys doing? It's uh, an honor to be on the show, and it's exciting to talk Horizon League basketball. Yes. So um, so kind of walk us through how how everything kind of came together, on, you know, how, how you found out about everything on, on you know, how it worked out on, on your end. Obviously... You know, we as fans have been talking about expansion in the Horizon League forever and ever and ever, and uh, we always speculate on, you know, who's going to be in the, who's going to be in, uh, who we're going to add in the conference, and, you know, who's, or and also dread who's going to leave, but more who's going to be in the conference. Robert Morris has always came up for many, many years. Um, so kind of, you know, when you found out that you know a Horizon League move was possible, you know, tell us about how how kind of uh, how that kind of worked, uh, impacted, uh, especially on the men's basketball end? Uh, you know, it, it was, um, you know, like you said, I, I've been at Robert Morris now 10 years as head coach. And, and I think for a number of those years, there's always been some Twitter rumors or speculation uh, about us leaving the Northeast Conference, possible destinations. Obviously, the horizon is one that always you know comes up just because of, you know, the, the, the success of the league, the, the, the proximity from a geographic standpoint. And, um, you know, I think over time there's been communication between us and the Horizon League, and it just never really seemed to be, you know, the right time or, you know, the right fit or, you know, we have we have um, we have football. So trying to figure out the football piece, it always seemed like there was something in the way. And uh, last June, we got a new athletic director, Chris King, who I think either was a guest or is going to be a guest on the, on the podcast. And, um, you know, he had some communications with um, Commissioner LeCrone and you know, as the year kind of went on, you know, I don't know exactly when the conversation started, but probably, you know, this spring, you know, I was at least brought into the conversation about this potentially happening, you know, right around Memorial Day. I think things started to heat up a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, in early June, you know, we were offered the opportunity to, to join the league and um, we're excited about it. Our team is excited about it. Our coaches are excited about it. I know our our uh, supporters, our you know fans and, and boosters and stuff are very excited about it. So, you know, it seems like it's a natural fit, the, the, ne the next natural step in our progression as a program. And, um, you know, we're eager to get started this fall. I have to say, you are correct about your fans. I, I They have been very, very vocal and very, very supportive of the move. And they absolutely... And I've never seen as, you know, obviously we, our Twitter account, we've never seen as many follow, an influx of followers as we did once we had uh, Robert Morris uh, join us. So, uh, so obviously we're very excited as well. So that's going to be, uh, so, so we are definitely looking forward to it. Um, one question I did have though, I know um, specifically last year, I know you played three Horizon League teams, um, and as I understand it, you were, uh, I guess, schedule-wise, there was a plan to play at least Cleveland State and Youngstown State this year. 
now that you're in the conference, you're going to play them twice a year. But that does affect. How does that affect your? Uh, how's going to that going to affect your non-conference scheduling? Um, you know, think, with the move. Yeah, I think that's something that we're trying to work through. You know, uh, you know, we've played uh, Youngstown State. You know, almost every year for the entire time that I've been at Robert Morris, which is 13 years, or only about an hour and 10 minutes from us. Um, you know, Cleveland State, we've played on and off. You know, played them again this year with, um, you know, when, when Dennis took over, we communicated with them and just thought it made sense, you know, from a travel standpoint uh, and a competitive standpoint. So, you know, we're working through some of that stuff. Um, you know, my assumption is, is we'll lose those games and have to figure out how to replace them. But we won't know for another couple of weeks. I know the league has kind of just told us to freeze everything right now. And, you know, so they can have the most possible dates to be able to formulate the conference schedule that they're going to need to create, obviously, with us and, you know, IPFW. So um, we'll see how that shakes out. But my, my assumption would be we probably lose those games in December and we'll have to try and replace them somehow here uh, in the next few weeks. No, uh, Coach, last year. Oh, go ahead, Bob. No, no, you, you go for uh, first. I was just going to kind of follow up on that. Last year, you played three Horizon teams, like we said, and um, you actually lost all three, which I know you've had some good battles with Horizon teams. Um, what does that kind of tell you going forward? Like, did you learn something from those games when you were playing those games? Did you think about what if these were conference games in the future? Like, has that ever been a thought of yours as you scheduled these and played these? Uh, Matt, thanks for reminding me of those three losses. But, um, you know, it's, 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 it's something that, uh, you know, we, we always know how competitive the Horizon League is. And, and over my time, you know, we had battles with Oakland uh, when they had that group with Kay Felder. Uh, that was bad scheduling on our part, part at that point in time. Um, you know, Youngstown State, we like I said, played a bunch. Cleveland State, even dating back to when Gary Waters had those really good mid-major teams um, in, you know, probably 2013, 12. Um, you know, UIC we played this year. So, you know, we've had some experience. I don't think we ever looked at those games saying, wow, what if we were in the same conference as these guys? We knew that every game would be very competitive. We knew uh, the caliber of the team that we were playing against, the caliber of the coach we were playing against. So we just knew we were in for battles, and we knew we had to be prepared. And obviously this year, playing UIC, Youngstown, and, and Cleveland State, um, you know, we did not play our best and uh, did, not, did not win those games. Um, and I think at that point in time of the year, we were still trying to figure some stuff out. And, you know, we, we didn't allow ourselves to kind of be successful at that point in the year yet. And uh, you know, you know, obviously, you know, hats off to those teams for taking care of their their business on their home courts. But, um, you know, it certainly will have a different feel now that it's going to be, you know, in in league in league action. And you might see people twice a year, depending on how the schedule shakes out. Um, but again, we know we've got to you know raise our game. We've got to be able to you know be more consistent in how we compete. Um, but I think, you know, our guys are excited for that challenge, as I've said. Well, obviously, you guys did get it together last year because you ended up having a really nice season. And it's too bad that the NCAA, all that happened. And we'll get into talking about COVID at some point. But obviously, you guys did turn it around there. So good good on you all. Yeah, actually, I was going to segue right into that <laughs> um, because, because at the end of your season, um, you know, Robert Morris last season won the NEC, uh, the NEC tournament and was all set to go uh, all set to go to the uh, you punch your ticket to the NCAA tournament. You're one of the few teams that was able to do that. And then the coronavirus hit and everything got canceled. Um, and I know we've asked this a couple of times. I know with Jared Calhoun, he was planning to uh, go to the, uh, take his team, to put his team in the CIT when this all happened. What kind of impact did that have, you know, from, from a team standpoint? I know sure. I'm sure that there, there was a lot of disappointment, but at the same time, there was also, you know, 
knowing how everything went, kind of a sense of uh, relief that, you know, everybody was still safe. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's first and foremost, making sure that everybody is safe and healthy. And I think at that point in time, and even to this day, we're, we're still not exactly sure, you know, what all this stuff means or uh, how we're going to how we handle uh, all of the COVID crisis. I know for our team, especially our seniors, it was incredibly disappointing. You know, uh, we had won the championship on on the Tuesday, March 10th and Thursday night, uh, Wednesday night is when Ru- Rudy Gobert came out as positive for COVID. And um, Thursday was when they canceled the tournament. And we met with our guys Friday morning. And, you know, I've said to some people, the one thing that I don't like about social media is the immediacy of all the information. Right. So as soon as the tournament was canceled, our team knew about it just like we did. Um, you know, the tweet gets released and they're kind of left to their own device to, to read the news that their season has been canceled. Uh, so we met Friday morning and, and it was a very somber room. That's for sure. Uh, our seniors were certainly extremely disappointed. The rest of our team was, you know, upset, maybe not as, as equally upset as our seniors because that was kind of the end of their career. And we tried to focus on and emphasize the fact that, you know, we were one of the 12, 12 out of the 31 conferences across the country that were able to finish our tournament and that they had earned their championship. And, you know, a number of leagues kind of named a champion after the tournaments were canceled and gave it to whomever won their regular season. And so, you know, I, I tried to remind our guys that, you know, no one can take away that, that, that memory that we created on that Tuesday night on ESPN, you know, sold out arena, unbelievable atmosphere, incredible performance by our guys, you know, full 40 minutes played on offense and defense. And that was what our focus was. And then unfortunately, you know, instead of being able to kind of grieve together and, and, and celebrate the success together, we were all sent home and it made that even more difficult to be able to, you know, just handle and process everything. And, you know, we gave some guys time to decompress you know, I think now as we're starting to look forward to next year with the announcement with the Horizon League, with you know trying to figure out what we can do here this summer to get guys prepared for next season. I know a lot of our returners have used it as motivation. They've used it to, you know, they know how close they were to being in that NCAA tournament, but didn't get the opportunity to be on the court for the NCAA tournament. And I think a lot of guys are using that to help drive their summer workouts. With uh, and that that actually brings me to the next question, which is, you know, how is the interaction because of you know the social distancing and the quarantines and everything? How has that worked with the interactions between yourself and your players? I know, um, you know, I from from our conversations with other coaches, there's a lot of Zoom sessions. I'm sure. Yeah, no, we we really haven't had as many Zoom sessions. Um, you know, a lot of times I like to think about what what I would want to do if I was a player. Mm-hmm. And um, and our staff, you know, similarly. And I, I just, you know, we, we check in with our guys all the time, text, call, FaceTime, whatever. Um, it doesn't always have to be in a group setting. You know, I think when you look at the way college basketball plays out now, where you have summer workouts, August comes, you go right into fall workouts, you go right into your season, you know, practice almost starts in September now, full practice. And then you play through March. And these guys need some time to get away and decompress. And usually that's the springtime for us. So, when our guys got sent home in March, you know, we checked on them, you know, probably weekly just to make sure their health was where it needed to be, that their families were doing well, that they, you know, that they, you know, had what they needed academically uh, to be able to continue to, you know, finish their classes at home. But we didn't feel the need to Zoom every week and stare at each other and, you know, bring guest speakers on and do all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, we, we trust that our guys are doing the stuff they're supposed to, again, they need time to get away from us. And at times coaches need time, their own space as well. And, um, 
you know, I think once we got into, you know, end of April, early May, which is when traditionally our guys would be leaving campus to go home, you know, we started to check in a little bit more. We started to talk about the summer. We started to talk about, you know, what access they might have to a gym, to a weight room, things like that. Um, but your body and your mind need time to recover. And I think, you know, I think some people were doing two, three Zooms a week, um, almost to say they were doing stuff. I think sometimes there's, there's almost better opportunity to contact and, and build some relationships and, you know, some of those check-in calls on, uh, you know, a random Tuesday or a text message or, you know, something like that. So that, that was kind of how we did it. Obviously, we had, a, uh, we had a call for the Horizon League announcement, you know, and we talked about a number of topics during that, not only the Horizon League stuff, we also had a pretty good dialogue on some of the things that are going on throughout the country socially uh, and with some of the, um, you know, Black Lives Matter movement. And so, you know, that was a, a really, you know, great phone call for us and for our team. Obviously, exciting news about the Horizon and then a great opportunity to kind of continue to discuss, you know, how we can move things forward uh, from a race relations standpoint. So, you know, those are those are some of the things that we've done. And, and now is we finally got news that, you know, July 20th, you can attempt to, you know, start doing mandatory workouts with your guys. Uh, that'll be our next challenge. You know, how do we either figure out how to get guys back or put something together that they can do at home so that when they return to campus, they'll be ready to, to start working out and prepare. Uh, Coach, has Robert Morris as a university talked a lot about what, what their plan is for the fall? And then my other question for you is, is your team set for next year? Or are you still trying to add any final pieces? We just... Um, we just gave our, our last scholarship uh, to to a, a six eight kid out of Wisconsin Green Bay, and I don't think I can say, talk about it yet because he hasn't his paperwork hasn't been officially uh, sent back in. But um, you know, so our roster is as it is. Um, you know, Robert Morris is is planning to return in the fall, be full go in the fall. I think like a lot of universities, they're hoping to be done by Thanksgiving and then do online exams. I think that's you know, Dr. Howard, our president alluded to that during the Horizon League press conference, that that most likely would be our plan. Um, our athletic director has mentioned, you know, trying to get some athletes back uh, this summer, you know, uh, so that they can, you know, take whatever precautions we need to do from a quarantine perspective so we can start to test, so we can, you know, do the things necessary to get them um, ready and cleared to play and, and, and work out and practice. And that's, you know, I think fall and winter sports. Uh, so I think that, that that process is ongoing. You know, obviously, as we start learning more and more information, you know, you see a lot of these uh, some of the bigger schools have brought players back. Um, some have tested positive, some haven't. So, you know, I think everyone's trying to figure it out on the fly a little bit here. And um, I know Robert Morris is, is eager to get the students back, is eager to get our athletes back. They want to you know give them the opportunity to train and prepare uh, for this new and exciting year that's coming up. And um you know, we're hoping that we, we get some news here soon about when we'll be able to return to campus. For you guys um, having you know, a fairly prominent football team, which is different than most of the schools in the Horizon League, how does that affect you as a basketball team? Like, are they kind of leading the way where, you know, at Oakland, the, basket, the men's basketball team kind of leads the way as far as figuring some of that stuff out? Do you kind of get to lean back on the football team a little bit? Do you guys work hand in hand? Like, what's that dynamic for you guys? I mean, I think everybody works together. Um, you know, I think everybody works together for the opportunity to, for the, for the good of all the athletes, um, you know, in the, in the past men's and women's basketball have kind of been, you know, the mainstays for summer school and summer workouts. Uh, Bernard Clark, who's our football coach, who's starting his third year, you know, he's put more of an emphasis on getting some more football players there for the summer. So, you know, I, I think that those are things that, that we're all in, in communication with our athletic director, Chris King, 
trying to figure out what works best for everybody. Obviously, you know, with fall sports of volleyball, men's and women's soccer, you know, those those sports also were eager to get back a little bit because they lost their spring opportunity. Uh, and so it's it's something where everybody's working hand in hand. And I think that the best decision will be made, you know, for the athletic direction, the athletic department as a whole. Um, and obviously men's basketball plays prominently into that as well as football, as well as women's basketball. So um, I think what what gets done for us will be what's done for, you know, all the other sports. One of the other, um, yeah, and I, I guess the other question that I had, and, and I actually want to talk about your, you know, who you, who you have this year. Um, as far as the the pandemic has been concerned, how has that uh, has that affected recruiting at all? Obviously, it sounds like you had like one extra roster, you had one roster spot that looks like it's going to be filled. Um, but how has that affected um, kind of the, the looking at the prospects for maybe twenty one or twenty two? It's it's certainly a challenge because, you know, as much as we get video and we communicate with the recruits, you know, there's 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 still nothing like a live evaluation, you know, where you can really put your eyes on everything the kid's doing, whether it's on the court as he goes to the bench in warm ups, communicating with his teammates, body language, um, you know, so I think you're you're you know, we have offers out there. There's guys that we've evaluated prior to this spring that we know we like. Um, there's guys that we're trying to build relationships right now in order to figure out how much we like, um, because we want to be able to see them, you know, with our own eyes. You know, my guess is, you know, there's at least at, at our level, you know, there's probably not going to be an abundance of fall commitments unless you're really sure on a kid. Um, and so it's made it a challenge, you know, and obviously with a lot of the sneaker circuits, not running this summer, not sure when either scholastic or, uh, grassroots type evaluation periods will be out there um you know they were supposed to vote on it two days ago and they pushed pushed that back another two weeks you know so it's uh it's kind of trying to figure it out on the fly as you know a lot of this stuff is and you know i'd like to get back into a gym and be able to watch a number of guys play and really get a feel for some of these kids you know on on the phone you, you think you like them on you know highlight tapes or some video you like them but you know you always want to see them with your own eyes and and make sure that what you're what you think you're seeing, you're really seeing. So uh, it's, it's definitely been a challenge, but I also think, um, you know, there's, there's opportunities there uh, if you're active and aggressive to be able to build some good relationships with these guys uh, to be able to get to know them in, in, in a good way. And then if you like the way that they play, you know, hopefully that you can, you know, find the right fits for your program. So, Talking about who you're, you know, to uh, talking about this year. Obviously, you lost hand, uh, you also lost, uh, you lost a handful of seniors to graduation. Uh, specifically, uh, Josh Williams and Giannis Mendy. Um, also, you know, Savion McEwen. It looks like he had some, uh, you know, he he contributed as well. Um, one per uh, one player you do have coming back, uh, and um, and I know we've. We haven't talked to him, obviously, since everything's happened so quickly. We haven't talked about him at all. A.J. Brahma, who um, he put – obviously, he uh, he probably – he was obviously your leading rebounder last year. Um, he – I'm already hearing – you know, we're already hearing kind of, you know, some – some really good things about him. What kind of impact is Brahma going to have in this, uh, in this particular environment with the new conference with, uh, you know, having adjust to um, since he's a, he's a front court guy having to adjust to guys like, um, like loud and love. 
Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if anyone just adjusts to loud and love, but um, you know, I, I do. I do think. Yeah, that, true. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think that um, you know, AJ's a guy who you know came to us last year from you know junior college, and um, you know, in in the non-conference portion of our schedule, you could see some flashes of you know his productivity, whether it's rebounding the ball, scoring the ball, uh, defending multiple positions, uh, making instinctive energy energy plays. You know, he's a super high motor guy. Um, he's a super competitive guy. And so, you know, we saw that in flashes. And I think once we got into conference play, I think he really kind of settled in. And that happens a lot of times with, with junior college guys. It takes a couple months for them to really adjust to, you know, the Division One level. And, um, you know, he didn't play against us in the Youngstown State game. We, we sorely could have used him in that game. Um, but he's a guy who I think is, is you know, is an all-league player for us. Um, he's a double double threat almost every night that he goes out on the floor. Um, and, and he's, you know, continuing to try and work and get better. And so, you know, he's got, you know, uh, incredible athleticism. Like I said, he can guard multiple positions. Uh, he's got great instincts for the, and a nose for the ball in and around the basket. Uh, so, you know, he's a, he's a great guy to have on our roster kind of leading us into this, this new league. Um, you know, and we return, you know, three other starters with him or two other starters with him, I guess. Uh, John Williams, who is Josh Williams's brother, a uh, kid from Akron, Ohio, who has started every game so far in his career for us, shot almost 40 percent from three, um, incredibly consistent, reliable, heady, um, high IQ guard. And then Dante Treacy, who was a, a sophomore for us last year, who ended up being the uh, conference tournament MVP um, of the of the Northeast Conference tournament. And he went from you know, as a, being a, a backup guy as a freshman and starting 30 games as a sophomore, a really hardworking, uh, tough-minded uh, guard who, you know, as the year went on, became more aggressive from a scoring perspective. You know, so those three guys will be, you know, some of our most experienced guys that are returning. Um, and so those guys have kind of really got to set the tone for us. You know, another guy that's that's returning, or two guys that are returning, I think, that um, are, are one of them very experienced, Charles Bain, who is who will be a senior forward for us? Who uh, started almost every game as a sophomore, and then last year was in and out of the starting lineup. Um, but as a sophomore, averaged ten points a game. Last year, his numbers dipped a little bit, but he's a a six eight guy who really can can make shots, um, knows our system offensively and defensively, and we're going to rely heavily on him, as well as uh, Kim Wilbon, who will be a redshirt sophomore from us for us from Maryville, Indiana. Um, he. Uh, was a, a, a off the bench guy for us as a freshman. Thought he was going to take a big jump going into his sophomore year, and actually had a wrist injury where he had to miss the whole year after a wrist surgery. So um, he's eager to get back out there and play. And uh, he's a, a six-five wing who uh, can really rebound, can defend, um, and and is a, a super versatile player. So I know he's excited as a as a uh, Midwesterner to be in the Horizon League and have you know the IPFW game and the IUPUI game and the UIC game and, and some of those games really local to him. So um, those are some guys I think that people will, will see on the floor, you know, playing major minutes for us, con contributing at high level. So you just talked about a lot of the players. For the Horizon fans that aren't as familiar with Robert Morris, what can we expect to see from you guys as a team as far as style, uh, any signatures, things like that? What, what can we expect? You know, I, I think, um, you know, we I hope that if people came to watch us, they would they would describe us as a uh, incredibly competitive and hard playing team. Um, hopefully, we have some organization, uh, and I think we're we're pretty a pretty unselfish group. You know, um, last year we were I think top ten in the country in, in assist rate. 
um, you know, field goals, field goals scored off assists, um, which is something that we want to see. And, um, you know, I, those are those are some of the things that hopefully people will walk away from a, you know, a tough minded, you know, if we got to grind you, we can grind you. Um, you know, we've predominantly been a half court defensive team um, that, you know, prides itself on the, the ability to kind of make it really difficult for you to find open shots. So, you know, I think that that's that's the, you know, the DNA of our program. And, and um, you know, it's, it's got to remain that as we go into the Horizon League and, and play some of the teams that, you know, were able to score the ball as well as they were uh, last year in the Horizon. All right. So not only do we know a little bit about the team, uh, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, the Horizon League has a ton of um, characters for coaches. What what can we expect to see from Andy Tool on the sidelines? Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly intense and competitive on the sidelines. I, I try and make sure my focus is as much on my own team as humanly possible. Um, but, yeah, I can get animated on the sidelines. Um, you know, I'm engaged. I'm animated. I'm um, interacting with with, you know, probably talking for, you know, majority of the 40 minutes of the game whether it's to an assistant to a player to a ref um kind of the banter just kind of continues to just flow as you're processing you know substitutions play calls situational things time and score uh you know so that's kind of my my deal um i don't i don't i I, it's hard to kind of describe your your you know philosophy but again i'm looking for those things we just talked about is is the team playing hard um, are they connected and sharing the basketball? Um, are they getting on the floor first? Are they hitting first on a rebound? Are they doing some of the small things that help you win games? And, you know, I know the caliber of coach in the Horizon League, and I know that a lot of the coaches emphasize those same things. I mean, coaches across the country know the difference between, you know, winning and losing. And sometimes it's that extra possession on offensive rebound, the extra assignment uh, that you take care of, the, the loose ball that you get, the deflection you create. You know, those are some of the things that, unfortunately, when, when the, the line between winning and losing is so close, sometimes those are the difference makers. And so that's what our eyes are on as coaches. Uh, and we're trying to relay that information as best we can to our team. Tell us a little bit about um, your incoming class, folks you guys, uh, folks you have come in. Obviously, you have one, one uh, player who has not kind of been cleared, so obviously we can't talk about him. But tell us a little bit about uh, uh, some of the other uh, players you have coming in for 2020. So uh, we'll start with with a uh, a kid named Cam Ferris, who's a six three combo guard, who actually he joined us in January of last year, and um, he practiced every day, traveled with us, um, used the time to kind of get stronger in the weight room. But he's a really skilled six foot two, six foot three combo guard who can score, pass, uh, can probably play on and off the ball. Uh, which you know we like to have as many guys on the court that can pass, dribble, and shoot at one time. That's kind of the, you know, the, the way the game is being played. Um, so he, he has a little bit of a leg up on some of the other true freshmen because, you know, he experienced a semester of college uh, or half a semester of college, I guess, with the COVID. But, um, you know, was able to get practices, was able to get in workouts, was able to get lifts. Um, so he's kind of a, a, a little bit uh, more aware of, of what it takes uh, than some of our other guys. And then uh, we have a, a six foot eight freshman coming to us from Virginia Beach, Virginia, named Tyson Brown. He played at Massanutten Military Academy. Uh, we have a six foot three uh, combo guard slash wing from Providence, Rhode Island named Enoch Cheeks. And then we have a five eleven six foot point guard from uh, North Mecklenburg High School in Charlotte, North Carolina named Traden Williams. So that, that that's our incoming freshman class, as well as uh, who I mentioned from from uh, Wisconsin Green Bay there. Um, and then we actually have a kid that will sit out uh, named Khalil Spear, who played two years at Bucknell, uh, six foot eight forward. 
played about uh, 18 minutes a game at Bucknell last year, uh, averaged about four points, three rebounds, uh, had a couple big games. He's originally from the Colony in Texas, and uh, he'll be sitting out this season. But then we'll have two years to, to compete in the Horizon League when he becomes eligible. Can you tell us just a little bit about uh, your playing career? I mean, you, you, you saw some NCAA tournaments as a player, and uh, I mean, you're still actually pretty young, too. Are, you are under 40, if my information is correct, which is pretty young for an NCAA Division One coach. So do you think that gives you a, like a leg up, just that you, you're really not that far removed from having been with these, you know, being one of these guys? Well, it's it's uh, it's funny. You, uh, I don't feel as young as I am. I guess I'm still 39. Mm-hmm. I'll be I'll be 40 in September. Uh, well, I don't know, Matt. I mean, with with all the, with the youth movement coming in the Horizon League, he he's you're gonna fit right in, actually. That's <laughs> true. <the> truth. <laughs> it's it, absolutely. I mean, I, I've known you know you know Jerry Calhoun for a long time. Obviously, um, I think we're about the same age. And I actually played against Dennis Gates um, in college in the NCAA tournament. Uh, when he was at Cal, I was at Penn. We played in the first round of the NCAA tournament in Pittsburgh. So it was the first time that I had ever been to Pittsburgh, my junior year of, of college, and we played against Cal Berkeley, and Dennis Gates was on that team. So um, it's a small, small world in, in, in this basketball thing, as you guys know. And you know, I started my career at Elon College down in North Carolina. I played there for two years, transferred to Penn, and uh, sat out one year and then played my final two. And in both those years, we had really good teams, won Ivy League championships, and were able to be part of the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, being a part of that tournament, having that experience was, you know, a lifetime memory. And uh, Fran Dunphy, who I played for at Penn, would always say that, you know, there's no better sound in the world than hearing your name called on Selection Sunday. And, you know, that always rang true to me. And it was something that when I got into coaching, you wanted to try and provide that experience for as many guys as you you coached. And you wanted to try and guide them on that path. And so I think, you know, my playing career as, as long as as well as most coaches you know their playing career certainly influenced the way that they they coach the game and um you know i i don't want our guys you know to ever come back and say that if they had known x they would have been able to accomplish y and so we try and be as brutally honest as we can about you know what they need to do in order to be successful what, what our team needs to do in order to be successful so that we don't have any of that regret you know at the end of the day and um you know i think a lot of that stems back from from the coaches i had um, bad and good, right? There's some, you know, you can take something from everybody and you can, you know, adapt it to your style or you can remember what it felt like or, you know, what you didn't like about something and, and, and utilize it, you know, later in your career. So, um, you know, I, I, I knew I was probably going to get into coaching at some point uh, when I was done at Penn. I had some opportunities to play overseas and, um, you know, kind of just decided, hey, I'm going to go in this coaching route. And, um, you know, it, it worked out really well. I, I was an assistant at Lafayette College. Um, actually, I, when I first graduated college, I, I worked for a company called the Hoop Group, which is a basketball enterprising company out of out of New Jersey, and they run camps, clinics, tournaments uh, all across the country, mainly in the in, kind of in the Northeast region. But you know, they've they've expanded to a number of different things. Rob Kennedy, uh, who, who runs the Hoop Group, actually does a lot of the um, announcing for the Horizon League on ESPN now. Um, he's also involved in the in the TBT tournament, which you know obviously is coming back to live sports here in the next couple of weeks, but. Um, so I did that for three years and then I was an assistant at Lafayette college in Eastern Pennsylvania, worked for Fran O'Hanlon and, and then I became an assistant at Robert Morris, uh, was hired by Mike Rice and, and was there for three years as an assistant for Mike and then got promoted at 29 years old when Mike left, uh, to take a job at Rutgers. So, uh, kind of fast tracked my, my opportunity to be a division one head coach and, um, know how fortunate I am to have had that opportunity so young and, you know, I've just tried to maximize that opportunity each and every day. 
You uh, mentioned Dennis Gates, who we had on uh, recently as well. And um, one of the things he talked about that I thought was interesting, you know, as he's also a younger coach, was the work-life balance, you know, where he's got a family and he's married and all that. Uh, what's work-life balance for you, especially right now during, you know, COVID where you're home and are you seeing your family more than you usually would? Like, what's that life? Uh, it's been great. You know, I have two young sons. I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old son. Um, so we had some first grade remote schooling battles with my first grade, with my seven year old. Uh, my wife also, uh, has been working from home. She works for Dick Sporting Goods. Their corporate headquarters are here in, in Pittsburgh and she, uh, is in HR for them. So, you know, obviously times were a little bit slower in terms of, you know, their hiring and things like that. But, you know, all of us have been home now for, you know, 13, 14 weeks and, uh, it's been great, you know come down in the morning, check some emails, you know, make a call or two, and then, you know, maybe a, a couple games of Uno break out. And, um, you know, it's been really fun, you know, being able to kind of spend, you know, each and every day, you know, with my two young sons is awesome. Uh, my wife played at Binghamton University. She also coached at Northern Arizona. So she gets it. She understands it. Um, and she does a great job of incorporating them into to a lot of the stuff that our team's doing, whether it's, you know, bringing them over to practice, um, whether it's letting them hang out in the office, um, you know, and, and we have another, a couple of other staff members have, you know, some, some, uh, kids and families that, you know, are kind of hanging in the office frequently. And, you know, I think that's important. You know, it's, it's nice. Both my sons, you know, love being around our players, love being around the gym, love being around the program. They like get excited when our team comes over to hang out and eat, um, or, you know, whatever's going on. And so, it, you know, it makes it a lot easier to, you know, do the job because it, you know, takes a lot of time. There's a lot of travel. And, you know, during this quarantine, it's been really cool to uh, kind of catch up on, you know, Little Vampires, which is some movie we watched this morning and, you know, all the different things that, that are exciting to them. And, um, you know, I think if we were out traveling, doing recruiting, you know, getting ready for summer school, running team camps and all that stuff that we traditionally would be doing, you might miss some of that time. So, uh, that that part of it's been unique and it's been really enjoyable for me and I and hopefully for my kids. I, I also have a seven year old. So everything you just said makes way too much sense to me as far as, you know, <laughs> dealing in a first grade education and little vampire. I, I got you on all of that. There you go. I yeah, I'm, I'm I'll take your guys' word for it on that one. <laughs> Most of that kind of went over my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> little um, maybe someday. Um, the. Uh, as I understand it, um, Robert Morris just moved into a new facility um, for uh, for home basketball games, the UPMC Center. Um, I, I want to ask a little bit about that and kind of the you know the environment, the, the getting into the new environment. Um, how has that been? How has that transition been from where you were playing your games before into this brand new facility? Yeah, it's been a great transition. It, this is something that's. Um... You know, I'm extremely proud of. I think our university is extremely proud of. Uh, when we had when we had beat Kentucky in 2013 in, in the NIT, um, that spring, this idea was kind of spawned of, hey, let's let's create a new facility for men's basketball. And six years later, we were able to open it. Uh, we opened it against Pitt uh, in a game at our place. They were kind enough to come over and play. Jeff Capel and their administration were kind enough to come over and play the game. And, you know, we had a sellout. Um and so it's 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 an, an incredible building. Um, the the game day atmosphere is is terrific. Um, you know, last year we only had three non-conference home games, two of which were when our students were on break. You know, so we didn't have a whole lot of opportunity for for our fans to get in there as much as we would have liked. Something we're still trying to build and grow. Um, 
there was two years where we actually did not have a home facility, uh, which made it challenging. The first year we played at Duquesne, we played in an arena downtown, the PPG Paints, or I guess it's Console Energy, well, PPG Paints Arena now. Um, and then for a year we played in a rec center on our campus. So those were definitely challenges that we kind of had to overcome and they were worth the wait. You know, it was, it was worth the pain that we were able to get into the UPMC event center um, and, and play games. And, and we ended the year with, a, with another sellout in, in our league championship game against St. Francis PA and, you know, in an absolute electric environment. So we're hoping that kind of builds the momentum as well as the news of going to the Horizon League that we will, you know, start to draw some even bigger crowds, continue to get our students out to games, uh, create the kind of environment that, you know, our players want to have and, and a home court advantage that we want to have as a program. So uh, it's, it's a beautiful facility, 4,000 seats. Um, you know, we raised about $51 million to be able to accomplish, you know, that building as well as the rec center that was built on our campus. And I think, you know, they, they provide a lot of opportunity for our university and our athletics department to grow. Coach, do you think that um, it's going to make a difference for you guys that now with the Horizon League, you've got a, a neutral site tournament versus where everything was being hosted locally before? Um, you know, I think on, on, it, it changes on any given year, right? I, I, for 10 years, I mean, for 13 years, uh, being part of the Northeast Conference tournament, uh, there was advantages and disadvantages to all of it. You know, there would be times where, you know, having the home, uh, the home court advantage, you know, really saved you. And there were times where, you know, you had a team that was more comfortable going on the road and, and not being at home. And so, you know, I, I think the, you know, the neutral site, I think it's just the semis and the finals. Is that correct? Uh, it, it's changed yes. a few times. I don't know. Well, where yeah, it'll right probably depend this year. I mean, you know, obviously with all the moving parts, who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, I think there's, there, there's some, some pageantry to it. I think there's some energy that you can create from having that neutral site. Um, everybody kind of coming together, you know, different fans, you know, kind of creating a, a, a unique environment. Um, and we're excited for that. You know, I, I think it's definitely something that'll be, you know, different for us, but I do think, um, you know, being able to go to Indianapolis and, and, and prepare for a conference tournament. And, you know, I think it's something that's exciting. And, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's certainly um, a, a good level playing field when, when that's the case, you know, I used to, uh, all the time uh, talk to our league about, you know, the importance of making sure that we get, you know, certain things correct because, you know, seating in our league was so uh, important. And, um, you know, it's not like everyone just would go to, you know, the United Center or Madison Square Garden and wear their home or their road uniform. You know, this we were talking about home court advantage. And so I think that, you know, when you have a neutral site tournament, it allows certain things that occur during the course of a season, you know, to, Obviously, they're always impactful, but maybe not as impactful. For example, we had a game this year where there was a really um, difficult call that was not made at the end of a game and, you know, potentially could have cost us the number one seed in the in the conference tournament. And, um, you know, obviously, I'd, if that call was to happen in the Horizon League, you'd be upset. Um, but you'd also know, like, hey, I'm going to go to a neutral site and be able to you know, have a, a, a evenly balanced opportunity to win the game versus, you know, maybe having to go on the road into somebody else's environment to try and win. In terms of the, you mentioned kind of the impact, uh, your ho hope for the impact on attendance as it relates to joining the Horizon League. Um, I, I guess my question would be, um, where do you, where do you see that going? Obviously with the NEC, you had a lot of, teams that were kind of on the uh, more predominantly located on the East coast. Whereas with the horizon league, you have, you literally have two teams that are within two hours of you. 
Um, how is how is that going to be? You know, what how how much of a benefit is that that you got a uh, a Youngstown State that's like less than an hour away um, in terms of uh, you know attracting uh, you know attr- bringing your fans in uh, to the new facility. Yeah, I mean, we, we hope it's a benefit. You know, we hope it's something that uh, part of the reason that we made the move. Um, you know, our two closest partners in terms of travel in the Northeast Conference was, you know, St. Francis, PA, which was, um, you know, around two hours away. And, you know, when they would come to us and, and we kind of had a rivalry with them over the years, when they would come to us, they would bring some fans. When we would go to them, we'd bring fans. And so that was, a, you know, always a nice game. And then, you know, Mount St. Mary's, which is down in Emmitsburg, Maryland, is probably three and a half hours away. You know, and same thing when we would go down there, people would make that drive for us and and vice versa. So now when you look at the Horizon League, obviously Cleveland State and Youngstown State being so close, Detroit and Oakland maybe being, you know, four hours away by car. Uh, Even, you know, you look at Dayton is, you know, probably five hours away. So, you know, you have some people that can get to your facility and get to your building. And uh, especially for a Saturday game or something like that, it's, you know, not a trip that's, you know, crazy difficult. So, you know, we hope that just continues to build energy and excitement we hope it builds you know good natural rivalries we hope that we're you know as competitive as we need to be so people are coming and watch exciting basketball and uh you know i think that's all part of the plan uh for our program and 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 why you know frankly why you know a lot of the reason we made this move um before we uh, before i let you go i i would be remiss if i did not ask about the the Robert Morris Kentucky game, the NIT game from two, uh, for where in which Kentucky was actually at Robert Morris. Um, it was uh, for those of you who don't uh, don't know the history. Obviously, um, Kentucky, I guess, had a scheduling conflict at the at Rupp Arena, and they ended up traveling to Robert Morris um, for that for that NIT game, and, and Robert Morris subsequently won that game. Um, how how uh, what tell us about kind of that whole situ- uh, that that entire game and you know the excitement of getting a you know a a top tier team like like Kentucky coming into your into your building even uh, especially for a postseason game. Um, yeah, it was kind of the the aligning of the moon and the stars uh, all into one, and and um, we had a really veteran team in that that 2013 season. Um, who had been, you know, regular season champs in the Northeast Conference twice, had lost in, you know, NEC championship final games. And, um, you know, we were, again, really disappointed when we, we got upset in the semifinals that year. And all of a sudden, the day of the NIT announcement, I get a text message from our media relations director saying that they want you to be on the selection show at 9 o'clock. And I started thinking to myself, like, why would they want me to be on the selection show for the NIT? Like, what do I have to do with any of this? And, you know, we're going to be an eight seed most likely, you know, this doesn't make any sense. So of course, like every, uh, you know, human being does in 2020, but even in 2013, I went to Twitter and started to kind of Google and found out that Rupp arena was occupied with NCAA first and second round games. And, you know, Kentucky was not going to be able to play on their home floor. And, you know, then the wheels started to turn and all of a sudden I get on the call with, ESPNU and I said are, are you going to tell me we're playing Kentucky in about five minutes and the guy says well you're gonna to have to wait five minutes to find out and you know they they open the show with with me on the show and they spring the news that we're playing Kentucky and you know obviously to add to the drama John Calipari is from Moon Township Pennsylvania where that's true you know, Robert Morris is located 
you know, he's told me many times about his uh, grandmother working in the cafeteria and he has great pride in that area. And so, of course, you know, here we go. And uh, my phone immediately starts blowing up. I'm getting emails from Big Blue Nation. Our players are texting us. It's, you know, it's, it's madness. Um, show up to work on Monday and there's, you know, a line around the corner for tickets. They intelligently, our athletic department didn't sell tickets online because they didn't want all of the Kentucky fans to gobble them up. So we had people calling our campus and any extension possible just to try and get somebody on the phone. I had English professors calling me or forwarding me messages from uh, random fans that were calling to try and buy tickets and wanted to know where to be directed. You got to love Big Blue Nation. They are they are persistent. They are persistent. And so it was it was it was mayhem. And uh, um, our team, like I said, was a very veteran team and uh, had been through all the wars, you know, during their careers. You know, that year we lost at Xavier by one and we had three shots with under 12 seconds to win the game. We went down to Arkansas and had a rebound in our hands with about 40 seconds to go down three, ended up losing the ball and, and, and having a foul. So we had been in some close games and you know, their rallying cry was always like, if we could ever get a team to come play us at home, I think we could beat them. And, um, you know, that's what happened. You know, we came out, our, our, our building was was packed. It was a, a zoo-like atmosphere. You know, we, we started the game 10-0. And then, you know, they called timeout. You couldn't even hear yourself think. And then we were kind of just surviving for the next, uh, you know, 35 minutes of the game and, and, and were able to get some free throws late to be able to win it. And, you know, one of the all-time, you know, great sporting events in, in Robert Morris basketball and, and school history uh, and a lot of obviously a lot a game that a lot of people still talk about you know seven years later as we are right now <laughs> um, but coach thank you very much for joining us um, let everybody know where they can find you online because I know I'm sure that we'll have plenty of uh, Horizon League fans who are definitely going to want to follow you yeah uh, you know what I don't even know what my Twitter is I think it's at Andy tool is my Twitter <laughs> Um, and I think, you know, Instagram is the same and, um, you know, I, they can go to our, you know, our website, armucolonials.com and be able to kind of get a, get a feel for our roster, get a feel for our schedule. Uh, anybody that's analytics minded can get a feel for some of our stats if they want to start breaking some of those down. And, you know, we, um, we're, we're again, excited to come into the horizon league. We know it's going to be a great challenge and we got a lot of work to do, but we're looking forward to that. All right. Great. And, of course, as, as always, um, you can find episodes. That's going to wrap it up for us. Um, you could, as I mentioned, you can find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable and our articles as well at horizonroundtable.com. And you can uh, listen to us wherever podcast apps are available. Subscribe. We love when you subscribe. Then you don't have to worry about you know listening to this every time, but we'll do it anyway. And, of course, you can also pull us up on your Google and Amazon devices. So that's going to do it, and thank you all for listening.